Hello and welcome to this week's episode of 10 Points of Slashing. My name is Matthew. I'm Grungus. And this week's episode is going to be scrumdiddly umptious. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> uh, we have a really, really special episode in store for you guys this week. Something that we've been hinting about talking about for a while. We're going we're gonna to talk about it. It's going to be fantastic. But first... Take it away, Mr. Uh, what's your actual name? Uh, I'm SJ, guys. Take and, it away, uh, SJ. The people have spoken, and they have demanded uh, more gas station content. More gas station content. So, there's been a development, as there usually are, like every freaking week there's a new development, but uh, on the last episode, I talked about how the ladies of the gas station um, that I don't work at, by the way, uh, kind of made it sound like I work at that gas, gas station. I do not. Nope. It was a very odd way that I worded it. We're anyway, not cool enough to work there. Those yeah, ladies no, are you, rad there's, as hell. There's, there's definitely a level of awesome you need to achieve before. Yeah, those ladies are super cool, dude. They're super All of cool. them. Shout like, outs, gas station. Shout out to the gas station by Where we live, which you will never know. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, last time I was, or last week rather, they told me that my favorite flavor, which comes in a blue can, was getting repackaged into a new green can. So I'm like, all right, whatever. So I keep my eye out for it. Anyway, I finally find that can the other day and I'm like, all right, this is awesome. And I crack it open, I drink it. And here's what we're going to do. I have acquired. 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 Achieved. Through means by which I will not discuss. You seize the means of production. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're not, this is not the Communist Manifesto. <laughs> this, I, is, this is truly the everyman's drink. <laughs> I have acquired one of the older cans of this drink that comes in the blue package, and I have acquired one of the new cans of this drink that comes in a green package. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pour a little bit of each one into a clear glass that I have, and I'll probably take a picture so we yeah, can Yeah, we should document this for the for the Instagram, this. which you guys should follow at 10 Points of Slashing. Yes. YouTube at 10 Points of Slashing. Discord, um, join it. I will do some really shoddy photoshopping to remove the labeling from these cans. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Unbranded energy drink. Unbranded energy Truly drink. Truly a mystery. So I got the blue one. I got the green one. Supposedly, they're the same flavor, right? That's what they tell you. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to pour, and I'm not going to tell Matt which one is in which glass but i'm gonna have him try both of them and i want you to tell me what you think if okay. it tastes any different do you want me to like close my eyes or look away as you're as you're doing your pour so i don't see which is which yeah that works that okay. works i'll get I'll up just, right now i'll look at the i'll look at the daw and i'll um guys the support on the first few episodes have been uh fantastic we've had some Close personal friends uh, listen to the podcast and give us some great feedback. We've had some people that are unknown to us uh, that haven't really commented or interacted, but we've been seeing the numbers on our Spotify and our YouTube. So we just want to thank you sincerely while SJ's uh, pouring these energy drinks that I cannot see. Uh, this has been great. This has been awesome. It's been really fulfilling and fun for us. So please comment, like, share, interact. We have a uh, Discord server that you guys can join. It's poppin'. We have some really good friends in there. Uh, we like to talk to people. We like to talk about this stuff. That's why we have a podcast. So after today's discussion, please weigh in. All that good stuff. Am I done plugging social media? Are we good? Absolutely. Okay, so they, I, okay, I will say right off the bat, if you want to take a picture of this to document, one is markedly more orange than the other. This one is far more wow. orange than that one. Also, the bubbles in the greener one are much bigger. Yeah, he's right. I didn't even catch that, dude. Yeah, markedly okay. more orange. Like so, it's not it's not subtle. It's like one is like 
piss orange and one is like diarrhea green. <laughs> this stuff is not healthy, guys. We admit that. It's not yeah, healthy, we, we, but we're, we're, fucking, we're addicted to it. All right. So, Matt, either or, go ahead and take a drink. I think I'm going to go... And you don't have to kill it, like, just a sip. Yeah, you know? I'm going to go with a markedly more orange first. Uh, okay. Bottoms up, ladies and gents. He's he's bottom-upping. It tastes familiar. It tastes, okay. It tastes... It tastes... Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. He's going right, to do the other one now. Does it taste exactly the same? Uh, I will say, I don't know if it's just due to the length of the refrigeration or, or what, but the uh, slightly greener one has a little bit more of, like... It like it like burns a little bit more, but okay. the flavor profile is 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 it's one to one, really. It's, yeah. Okay. Me, Identical. Me, I like on. that. I like that. This is good. So he's taking them both. He's just he's just double fisting them now. Yeah, I think this one's just colder, and that's why it's like biting okay. more. But yeah, no, it's 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 damn close. Okay. So I'm not gonna spoil anything yet, but remember that he said, okay, one of them's colder, and the colder one was the it was the green one. Okay, uh, and it it, it just kind of like it hits a little harder. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So now what I'm gonna have Matt do is take a drink from the can. Oh, I see where you're going with this. Okay. And I want you to look at the can while you drink it. All right. So he's gonna take the blue one first. Blue one first. Okay. Bottoms up. Cheers, my friend. And it's okay. Yep. You know the flavor. The flavor you know profile. the can. Yep. Okay. All right. Now, now he's going for the green one. Same exact flavor, or so they say, ladies and gentlemen. What do you notice? Did you look at the green can while you drank it? Yeah. Oh, he's going for it again. There's something weird about it, right? Here's my... It almost tastes like nothing. Here's my point. Here's my disappointment. It's an entirely different experience drinking it out of a freaking Greek can, and I will take that to the grave. I will die on this hill. Drinking this drink out of a green can is entirely different than drinking it out of a blue can. It's so much better out of the damn blue can. Yeah, I will say between the two, blue can is uh, is better. But it's 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 like softer. It's like it's I don't know if it's, it's not the as color, dude. Blue is know. blue is a cool color. Blue is a calming. Well, I'm color. saying I'm saying the green can. It's like softer. It doesn't like it does it doesn't hit as hard. Like it almost feels like if there's like less caffeine or if they just put less acid into it or what. But Maybe. Um, I will say this. It's interesting. You noted one was colder than the other because yes. The blue one has been in the fridge all day. Mm-hmm. The green one has been in the fridge for about two hours. So one two of them, hours and it's still not fully cold. One of them is a little colder than the other. However, the point, like I said, that I'm trying to make here is theoretically the flavors are identical. What makes them taste different is the can. Is the can. Yeah. It's the color on the can, dude. I'm telling you, when I drink out of the blue one, I'm like, oh yeah, it's refreshing. It's chill. It's oh yeah, I'm calm. I'm collected. But when I drink out of the green can, I don't know. I just feel like it's just yeah. not the same, dude. No, the, the flavor profile is exactly the same, but it's like we were saying last week and the week before, it's about the vibe. The vibe is off. Yeah, the vibe's off, dude. The vibe is off. Yeah, and honestly, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I think it circles back to our argument about the drip. The drip is everything, dude. Yeah, that can doesn't have the drip. Yeah. The, the, green- the blue can has that like mid-2000s kind of edgy kind of, you know Yeah, what I mean? dude. The blue can's got the drip. The green one is, it's, I don't know, there's just something about it. It's too, it's too refined. Maybe, yeah. It's too nice. It's too clean. I think it's, I think they went edgy. They tried to take the edginess of the blue can and they, they were like, oh yeah, this is going to be, they, like I said. What if we made it green? Yeah. What if we made the lid green? That's yeah, normal. Dude. Like I said, somebody is sitting in a boardroom at corporate and they're like, you know what? This can <laughs> freaking rules, dude. What can we do to make it rule harder? And some other asshole was like, oh man, I bet. What if we make the lid green 
And everybody at the table is like, hell yeah. yeah. Make I will say, uh, too, this is completely subjective to the overall experience, but the green can had some had some sticky residue on it, and that was unpleasant. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know what that was. I don't know you... if you put it in the fridge next to the maple syrup and they made it, but... Yeah, somehow there's been maple syrup, like, Ev- spawning on every all over the surface. house lately. Well, I mean, it's not somehow. I know why. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, I don't know how it gets everywhere. It goes on the plate. I wash it off of the plate. I don't know, man. Uh, but yeah, so my point here is if you missed out on this unspoken blue, blue can, can goodness, then uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. You're Your never going to enjoy the zero sugar goodness of the blue can. You're just going to have to just going to have to deal with the green one now, guys. All right. Well, I think we're ready. Uh, yeah. And I think honestly, I think that concludes the gas station stories for a while until uh, until something else stupid goes wrong. Until something else ridiculous happens over there. But corporate decides to get involved again. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll keep you guys posted. All right, so today's topic, something that we've been hinting at for a while, something that we've been really psyched about. Um, near we and dear were, to our hearts. When we were conceptualizing this podcast, it was one of the first things where we were like, we should talk about this. It was kind of, I'm not going to say it's the conversation that incited everything, but it was definitely in the very first conversation. It's, it's definitely one of the conversations that w- when when I started kind of conceptualizing what this podcast could be in my mind, uh, this is definitely something I thought about because like, man, we used to get into it like out of nowhere. Like I'd just be sitting on the patio and Matt would come outside and we'd just talk about something and then... Oh, hey, suddenly we're arguing about Skyrim. Yep. Today's topic, the Imperials versus the Stormcloak, a a topic that is so contentious it has lasted 11 years. Yep. Hotly debated. Hotly debated. To this day, every now and then in the Skyrim or the Elder Scrolls subreddit, I'll see someone be like, Imperial or Stormcloak? Like, it's still to this day. Um, But yeah, we're going to talk about the Imperials versus the Stormcloak debate, specifically where we stand in this debate because both of us have differing ideas like last week like you guys heard i had an opinion and i had a very strong feeling about the mage circles of thetis but he was able to sway me to his side but for the amount of years that we have talked about this neither one of us have budged we don't budge nope never not even a little bit there's been like small victories here and there where it's like oh okay i can see that or oh okay i can see that but never budged yep We're Um, firmly on opposite ends of this war. But before we talk about our opinions and our feelings and our beliefs about all of this, we figured it would be, uh, similarly to last week, starting off, it would be beneficial to start off with a little bit of lore. Uh, And because Skyrim is, I guess, slightly more my thing than it is SJ's, uh, even though he's probably read more about it at this point than me, uh, (laughs) I'm going to take over the little lore section here um another quick disclaimer similarly to last week i suck with names remembering certain details and stuff like that so i actually uh unlike sj last week where he just sat down and rattled all this crazy lore (laughs) off i actually i did some research oh actually uh another funny thing i wanted to point out there were like multiple times in the last episode that we were just rattling off like dragon age lore and 
there were multiple times that I was like, you know, I'm not really sure about this, but uh, we'll keep it rolling. I did look back and uh, verify all of the things that I wasn't sure about. And man, I was wrong about a lot of stuff. I'm sorry. But listen, the, it's the, it came from the heart. Okay. Came from the heart. The passion and, is there. You know, the general themes and the overall is, is correct. But yeah. specific details are so hard in a video game franchise that's lasted forever and ever. Like original Dragon Age was like early to mid 2000s right uh, i believe dragon age origins came out in 09 oh okay either so late, 07 late to 09 somewhere in there and dragon age 2 was 2011 i believe yeah they they banged that game out real yeah. quick they just immediately turned that around um so to understand the landscape of the elder scrolls world leading up to uh the stormcloak rebellion it's important to understand why the Great War happened in the first place, and a few key details. So the first thing to understand is the inception of the Mede dynasty. The first Titus Mede took over the empire from a man named Thules in the 21st year of the Fourth Era. Thules was described as a witch warrior, whatever that means. That sounds cool as fuck, dude. Um, yeah, uh, this whole event is called the uh, Stormcrown Crown. <clears throat> Interregnum, I think is how you pronounce that word. <laughs> yeah, interregnum. Uh, the Stormcrown Interregnum. Uh, this whole event uh, kind of vying for power uh, left by the vacuum of uh, Martin Septum. There's a few other people on the Elder Council that kind of took over the Empire and ran things in the meanwhile, but really the inciting incident was when uh, Martin Septum sacrificed himself at the end of Oblivion to become the Avatar of Akatosh. Titus Mede II took over uh, in the 168th year of the Fourth Era, and the reason that this is important is because by the time Titus Mede II took over, the Empire was weaker than it had ever been. Uh, Titus Mede I uh, led an incredible campaign to take over the Empire, however, his rule was not solid, and my personal belief in that, and I think what a lot of people tend to agree on, is just the fact that the throne of the Empire was never intended for anyone outside of the Septum bloodline. Uh, the dragon blood, the amulet of kings, kind of like hinted at divine intervention like the throne of Cyrodiil of the Empire is only ever meant for a septum so when the Mede dynasty took over there's you know, some weirdness involved in that when Titus Mede II took over in uh, 4E168 things weren't fantastic uh, and very quickly spilled into war because the Great War was fought from uh, the years 171 to 175 of the Fourth Era. So roughly uh, like three, four years after Titus Mede II officially took over is when this war broke out. Uh, the two main factions of this war were the Aldmeri Dominion and the Third Empire. Uh, the war took place primarily in Cyrodiil and Hammerfell, so the kind of Cyrodiilic forces and the Hammerfell forces were the major players during this. Another few important facts to understand during the war is that Valenwood and Elsewhere had already ceded to the Dominion prior to this, so they were missing those two very key important countries. Um, Black Marsh had been lost to Imperial rule since the aftermath of the Oblivion Crisis. They kind of just were like, no, we just literally handed uh, the Daedric Prince his butt on a silver platter um, very, very fun bit of lore there that we might touch on later. Yeah, so Black Marsh, kind of a lost cause at that point. Uh, and Hammerfell had a lot of infighting between the Crowns and the Forebears, which is kind of the two main factions of Hammerfell. Uh, so going into the Great War, the Empire only had High Rock, Cyrodiil, and Skyrim, pretty much. So the Great War was fought 
again from the years 171 to 175 with the Thalmor really kind of handily leading everything. They they really cleaned house, uh, with the exception of uh, Hammerfell. The Red Guard warriors were really able to handle their own, but they had some trials and tribulations as well. Um, and all of this culminated in a very, very important piece of paper known as the White Gold Concordant. Uh, the White Gold Concordant, I just said cold gungordit. The white cold gungordit. The white gold concordat uh, was a peace treaty signed between the Third Empire and the Aldmeri Dominion. So there's really two main points to touch on. First, Southern Hammerfell, large portions of the the southern portion of Hammerfell were ceded to the Aldmeri Dominion. uh, And the Red Guards were not happy about that because they feel like their country was used to pay for the treaty. So they basically revolted they were like nah screw this we're we're mad so they began their re- own separate war with the Almeri dominion separate from everything uh this little kind of brief period of of infighting between the Almeri dominion and hammerfell lasted for five years uh that eventually resulted in a treaty that didn't last and then hammerfell forcing the dominion out of their country uh the second and biggest point to touch on especially considering the context of the imperial versus the stormcloaks is the outlaw of the worship of talos bringing the nine divines back to the original eight uh this is something that many many nords saw as horrible as a betrayal namely ulfric stormcloak a important man that we will touch on later Mm. you following me so far uh can i can i summarize so far yeah, go for it. All right. I didn't do... Before you say anything, I didn't do this to you. Didn't, And I know this is going to be really sarcastic. I didn't do this to you. It's not. I'm just trying to summarize. Okay. Elves are racist. Yes. They want to war. They do war. They win. They win. Hammerfell is like, nah. <laughs> and then they kick their asses out of Hammerfell, and that's where we're at right now, right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Beautifully said. So, the Markarth incident. Oh, yeah, and then racist Nord. Okay. Racist, we'll get to Ulfric. <laughs> um, so, the Markarth incident is largely seen as the reason that Ulfric started the rebellion in the first place. And out of everything that I just said, this, uh, at least to me, is kind of the most compelling and most important piece to this puzzle. Essentially, to to boil it down very simply, Ulfric, at this point, after fighting in the Great War and leaving the Empire, had essentially like a militia under his command. Ulfric's militia was used by the Jarl of Markarth and the Empire to handle the Reachmen. The Reachmen were a huge problem. They were trying to take back their land, and they didn't want that to happen. So they promised Ulfric that if he used his militia to fight back the Reachmen, that they would allow the worship of Talos. I think... You can all see where this is going. Uh, Ulfric very handily defeated the Reachmen. Ulfric, in his own right, is an incredibly powerful warrior, and the Empire knew that, which is why they used him to defeat the Reachmen in the first place. Uh, He won. Everything was great. And they allowed the worship of Talos for, like, a week. Uh, And then the Aldmeri Dominion breathing down the Empire's neck was like, hey, this is a breach of contract. If you allow this to continue, we are going to uh, destroy you, essentially. So the Jarl of Markarth, in combination with the Empire, betrayed Ulfric and uh, arranged his arrest. After he was arrested, he was brought to the Aldmeri Dominion where he was interrogated. Uh, This is the instigating event uh, that led to his dossier that you can read in... uh, the Aldmeri Dominion portion of the main quest line in Skyrim. Um, and kind of one of the important notes is the dossier says that he was allowed to escape. 
Um, however, it is uh, it remains in the air as to if he was actually allowed to escape or if he did it of his own volition. That is one of those kind of vague little pieces of lore. Like, did the Old Married Dominion like let him leave because they knew what he would do? Did he actually escape of his own volition? That's a little up in the air. I one hundred percent. I I mostly believe they let that him the go. Dominion let him go. Yeah, I think so too. Or that the Thalmor rather yeah. let him go. But um, after after he escaped from the Thalmor, uh, he returned to Windhelm. His father, I think, Hoag, H O A G, Hoag or Hrog or something to that effect, uh, Stormcloak, uh, passed away. He inherited the title of Jarl and started the Civil War. And that is essentially the broadest stroke that I can paint. Maybe sometime in the future we can deep dive in on the Stormcrown Interregnum or we could talk about the Markarth incident or we can kind of deep dive into one little piece of lore, but that is the broadest stroke that I can paint to give you the context. Um, even if you've been playing Skyrim forever, there are some of those things that even I didn't know until like six mm -hmm. years into the game. I was like, oh, I wonder why this is what this is, and I looked into it, but that's sort of the, the broad stroke. I didn't even know about the Markarth incident until like three years ago. So I'm going to I'm gonna summarize that portion now. Uh, I'm going to start doing this to you. Elves fuck Ulfric, uh, set him up. He does some shit for them, and then they're like, yeah, we don't care. We're still going to go back on our word. They betray him. He gets mad, and he's like, we're going to war about it. Ulfric wants to do war now. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Right? Yeah. No, that's yeah. about it. Okay. Yeah, that's about it. All right, here's my take. I feel like at the end of the day, you can boil this whole war down to like a handful of things that Ulfric is miffed about, right? There's first and foremost, I think the biggest argument can be made that Ulfric, or at least the point that he's selling to his people, is that the elves have outlawed Talos worship and Nords are mad about that because it's like a centerpiece of their culture. So Ulfric's like, ah, we're going to go to war because we can be our own free Skyrim where we can do whatever we want and worship whoever we want because the elves have a problem with it. Because Talos was once a man and the elves are like, oh, yeah, well, men can't be gods. Men can be gods. And so that's, that's what they're works. all mad about. Right. So yep. my take is this. I believe that every culture has a right to believe and worship whatever they want. Right. However, I think that the war in Skyrim is a what's the term microcosm. It's a very small piece of something that is happening that is much, much scarier. And that is the threat of the Thalmor. I think that the threat of the Thalmor is the very serious thing that is happening in the world of Tamriel right now. And I'm, I'm pretty sure absolutely nobody's going to argue with me on that. Like, no, I, especially a little bit of kind of unknown kind of known elder scrolls lore is the objective of the thalmor a lot of people are just like oh they're evil and they want to like kill the world they're actually going for and don't quote me on this i didn't actually research this this is just kind of one thing that i've picked up over the years there's these essentially like towers of creation or something like that it's like the, yeah, the white gold the towers. towers yeah the white gold tower um the red mountain um the one in hammerville Balmora, no, not Balmora. There's an island. Yeah, and in the, there's one yeah. in High Rock, I think. But these, these are they're essentially like anchors of reality as we know it. And the Thalmor want them to destroy them so that they can uh, break reality and become gods again. Yeah, uh, the Altmer were long, long time ago. They were like 
immortal or something. Yeah, they were like the the original beings or something like that that inherited this plane after Lorcarn's betrayal or something like that. Yeah, so the, that's the, the big deal in, in Tamriel right now, right? So yeah. my take is... I'm thinking about this from a from a world perspective where right now the empire is leashed to the Thalmor. Um, essentially, this treaty that they signed is just the empire's way to say, okay, you're whooping absolute ass. We need to do something so that you don't wipe us all out. So here, here's this treaty. We're going to behave. We're going to do what you want. What are your terms? Yada, yada, yada. So the empire is essentially just saying, you beat us, what do you want, yada, yada, yada. And the Thalmor are like, cool, you can continue to operate, but you have to abide by these very, this very strict set of rules and guidelines that we have, one of which is the worship of Talos has been outlawed. To which the Empire is like, cool, yeah, whatever, it's just the Nords, like, they're weird, whatever, we don't I, care. I, I disagree with that, because... Talos is the very foundation of the Empire itself. Talos was the first Septim. He was Tiber Septim, the man that created the Empire. Here's so the Nords are definitely a lot more up in arms about it, but the Empire as a whole is very against it. Here's a hot take, and this is something I thought about like two days ago when I was actually playing Skyrim. Has there been any indisputable proof that Talos is actually a god? Yes, there is. I can't. I don't like have that information off the ha- off the cuff. I can't like produce it, but I do know f- like Tiber Septim is Talos. That is that is undisputable we'll, truth. We'll we'll put something in the Discord we can, we once can, we yeah we can pin this and and come back to it later. But there there is evidence that because you know like religion is is a whole thing. We don't need to get into it. But in video games where there's like gods and stuff, religion it's real. Like yeah. it, it is undeniably real. Like Azora can literally grab you by the nuts and be like, hey buddy, what's up? Um, so the Tiber Septim ascending to godhood by mounting Lorcarn and becoming Talos is canon. Like that is real. Uh, there's a lot of interpretations of it across Skyrim or across Tamriel, which is where it gets muddy. But the things of like, you know, Cyrodiil used to be an entire jungle. Like Cyrodiil was a jungle. And then, you know, the Tiber Septim by achieving Kim by mounting Lorcarn just made it Cyrodiil. Like there's no explanation for that other than, yeah, he's Talos. Yeah. So my thing is that the vibe that I get is that the Empire is pretty much like, all right, you beat us here. Right. Take this. After that, like you talked about, Hammerfell opens their own can of whoop ass on the Thalmor and they win and they push the elves back. And the elves are like, yeah, we're not going to fuck with them. We're going to leave them alone. Hammerfell then leaves the Empire And they're their own sovereign state now where they can do what they want, right? So my thinking is this. I don't think that, I mean, it's true. You see it in Skyrim. Not everybody in the Empire is okay with this. Like there are stalwart, true blue Empire lovers that are like, yeah, this whole thing with the Thalmor sucks. Somebody of power, somebody that has power somewhere in the Empire is like, we're going to stick it to these fuckers. We're going to come up with something we're going to fight back eventually. It seems like the Empire is just biding its time. And the, the, again, this is just a hunch. This isn't like, you know, this isn't canon or anything. But this is my hunch, right? What I get from the Skyrim Civil War, um, like Matt mentioned, the Thalmor let Ulfric go. Because they knew. They're like, oh, he's going to stir up shit. It's going to give us cause to be able to go in and just stomp Skyrim. Like, Ulfric victory... Stormcloak victory, to me, seems like that's what the Thalmor want. 
They want Ulfric to win because if he wins, he violates the White Gold Concordat, to which the Thalmor get to just be like, cool, Empire, we're going to wipe you out now. Um, so the reason that I disagree with that is because I'd be willing to put money down that the second Ulfric becomes High King, he's going to cede from the Empire, which technically doesn't violate the Concordat because they're not part of the Empire. Right. The but, treaty is with the Empire. But all of his actions up to that point do violate the treaty. No, because the Empire does not endorse him. He is very clearly a rebel. He is very clearly outside the wire, and the Empire is actively trying to stop him. So the, um, the only thing the Thalmor can do is support the Empire in destroying him. But if he wins, becomes High King, and cedes from the Empire, sure, the Thalmor can open a can of whoop-ass on Skyrim. That's fine, but they don't technically violate the White Gold Concordat because they're their own nation at that point. Either way, the Thalmor are a bunch of damn oh, snakes. Oh, they're going to do something about it. And I feel like I feel like that's their objective. They'd be like, they oh, have... you, you lost, so... Yeah, <laughs> like I feel like there's no other reason for them allowing Ulfric to escape or claiming they allowed him to escape other than for them to be able to set something up where they can be like, hey, treaty violated, we're going to war again. Mm. So with that said, I'm, if it isn't clear yet, I'm a staunch supporter of the Empire in Skyrim because I think that Imperial victory is the best path to uh, not peace, but it's the best path to being able to fight the Thalmor with us. And when I say us, I mean like the royal us. Mm -hmm. Uh us coming out on top and being able to fight back with something we can actually do. Um, Matt and I have talked about this before, but I think that Stormcloak victory leads to outright just scorched earth war, like just absolute kick ass all over the world, just like violent civilians dying, cities burning, yada, yada, that kind of war. Whereas I feel like if there is Imperial victory, I feel like uh, there's more of an opportunity for people to strike from the inside, for the Empire to set up agents in every province and be able to attack the Thalmor from the inside out and do this quietly as mm -hmm. like a silent rebellion rather than total open warfare. Um, and that is the route that I support. With that said, I like I said, I think people should be able to worship whoever the fuck they want to worship, whether they are or aren't a god. It's it's their belief system. Like mm. just well, let and, them do whatever the, they want. The thing about Elder Scrolls is even if there is debate that like Tiber Septim is Talos or whatever, blah 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 blah. The way that it works in Elder Scrolls is if they are worshipped, they have power. So if he wasn't, he is now. You know what I mean? And that's that's a big part of the reason why the worship of Talos was outlawed in the first place, because if Talos doesn't have anyone to worship him, he technically doesn't exist anymore. Interesting. Um, I'll, I'll just cut in with my opinion really quick. Uh, I think it's very obvious, similarly, that I am a, uh, or similarly to how obvious it was for him, not in that our opinion is the same. Uh, I am a Stormcloak. I am true, full uh, Stormcloak. I will say there is an asterisk on that. Fuck Ulfric. <laughs> yeah. Fuck Ulfric. I, I, I too have an asterisk. Um, Ulfric is, say what you want about him in terms of the positives. Like, yeah, he's charismatic. Yes, he's an incredibly proficient and awarded and accomplished warrior. Yes, he has led an effective and organized rebellion, etc., etc. However, he is not a leader of the people. He is very obviously racist. Um, it there It is not an accident or a mistake that the first thing you see when you enter into Windhelm is a Dark Elf being, you know, harassed, harassed by yeah. two Nords. The Dark Elves 
were put into a quarter of window Elm. obviously the scale gets weird in video games because it has to be a video game but yeah. like Windhelm is a metropolis it is a city it's not just like you know 30 square feet and that's it uh and it's called the gray quarter because it's literally a quarter of Windhelm. and you know for their own protection he put them in that quarter which is bullshit if you foster a culture of acceptance if you truly are for skyrim and for the empire you would welcome anyone and everyone who wants to help your cause uh, and by segregating an entire culture of people just because you don't like them, that's that's horrible. And yeah. the Argonians get it worse, which a lot of people don't really, I think, realize because everyone's so focused on the Dark Elves being the Great Quarter, which is horrible. The Argonians have to live on the docks. They don't even get housing. They get a room in the Empire Trading Company quarter or office of uh, Windhelm. Like they live on the docks. Yeah, and and my my big issue with that is like because I think if you if you confront Ulfric about it or something, he's like, oh, it's for their own safety. It's for their own protection or whatever he says. And yeah. it's like, it's like, okay, I get that. However, that comes across to me as weak leadership because a strong leader would say, no, we're integrating these people into our entire city. And if you have an issue with that, you can take it up with me and I can shout you into disintegration. Yeah. Like suck it. Like these yeah. people are our people. That's what a strong leader would do. A weak leader says, oh, it's for their own protection. Trust me. Like we can't we can't stop our true Nords from harassing them. Like, yes, the fuck you can, dude. You're old frick Stormcloak. Like people are terrified <laughs> yeah. of you. If you yeah. wanted to, you could snap your fingers and these Nords would do anything. Yeah, you say. old frick Stormcloak is literally like a living legend. Exactly. Yeah, so uh, big asterisk. I do not agree with Ulfric. Uh, this is a really hot take. I don't think Ulfric murdered Torig. Everyone knew that he had the power of the voice. And he challenged Torig to a duel, and Torig knew that he had the power of the voice, and Torig agreed to the duel. Like, Ulfric didn't murder him. People were just mad that he won. That's a that's a hot take, because everyone's like, oh, he murdered the High King. No, he didn't. I he think it's a... He I challenged a, him to a duel, and he won. Like, you're just mad. I think it's a cultural thing, because, like, if you if you kind of, I don't know, take it to... If you take it to the modern day, if we hear about a third world country where, you know, somebody challenged somebody else to a duel and then he killed them, like we would still there would still be. OK, that's murder. That is a human being killing another human being, which by definition is murder. I understand that the Tamriel legal system doesn't reflect the real world, mm -hmm. but it's still a man killing another man. And so I think I think the only disconnect there is the cultural significance of it's a duel. It's okay here. Yeah. Like, we do that. It's fine. I guess, yeah, I guess that, like, people are just mad because they think that by using the power of the voice, he cheated. But Torig knew that he had the power of the voice. He knew that he was going to lose, and he accepted. Right. He Unless... said, if Torig said no and Ulfric killed him anyway, yes, murder. But he accepted yeah. the duel. Unless the terms specifically say you no can shooting. only use a weapon. Yeah. We don't know that. Yeah, exactly. But, That's yeah, unclear. So but I just, I don't know. And I, and I agree with you. I'm yeah, not, I'm I don't not think arguing he murdered. I don't think he murdered Dorig. Yeah. And it's um, like I said, whether he did or didn't, I think ultimately boils down to what the culture says about the duel. Yeah. And I think that the cultural opinion should be the one that is respected there. Yeah. Even even if Skyrim is a part of a larger ruling body, the the Empire. Yeah, I think the Empire should respect it's. It's like federal versus state laws, right? Yeah, like literally, like federal laws can't be like, oh, hey, I I see that your state law says this, but fuck you, we're gonna do it differently. Like, but uh, 
getting back on topic. Um, yeah, so I do not like Ulfric. I vehemently disagree with his leadership, even though he is a, a weapon. He is a vehicle, for sure. However, I believe in the spirit of the Stormcloak Rebellion. I believe in what the Stormcloak Rebellion stands for. And to me, it's... It's one of those things where it can be subjective, like obviously the game presents us hard facts, but you know, I, I kind of read into the spirit of the whole situation, and to me what the Stormcloak Rebellion kind of symbolizes is the people taking their destiny back into their own hands. So much of Tamrielic history has been defined by the Empire does this and the Empire does that, but not a lot of people think about the people that have to fight to make that happen, and the Stormcloak Rebellion is definitely of the people. When you take away the heart of a culture, whether it's to bide time or whether it's because you lost and you're being a little baby about it because Titus Mede II is a little baby, that to them, you know, we have to take into consideration the context of this universe, and to these people, the worship of Talos is the centerpiece of their culture. And the Empire forsaking that is the ultimate betrayal. You know what I mean? It is, yeah. it's, it's unforgivable to them. And we have to take that as fact from the outside looking in. So, of course, there's going to be a rebellion. Of course, there's going to be a resistance. And the reason that I think that Stormcloak victory is a good thing is because I do not see a political victory. There is no way that the Empire can plant people on the inside. There is no way the Empire can take down the, the Dominion silently because the Dominion has them beat on that front by so many years. It's hilarious. The, the Dominion was planting people inside the Elder Council before the Mead Dynasty. I would argue... That events of the main quest in Skyrim starkly contrast your point there. In what regard? Uh, the Blades are essentially a political faction of the Empire, mm -hmm. and they literally plant somebody into the embassy, and then you get all the way to the point where you start reading dossiers. Like, I think that the capability is absolutely I there. think that, like, that is a vehicle for a video game quest, mm -hmm. and at that level... Sure, but at the level of the highest order where they would have to operate in order to take down the Dominion, I don't see that as a possibility. Here's here's my like best case scenario um, as far as like, I guess what I'd like to see happen or not not necessarily what I'd like to see happen, because what I'd like to see happen is Stormcloak victory that just upends the entire world. And that's where we pick up an Elder Scrolls six, just abject chaos. Like, of course, that's what I want. I play video games. I play D&D. Like, yeah, I want the chaos. But thinking from like a, a world preservation standpoint, I think best case scenario is some asshole on the Elder Council is like, yo, like something is going on down there. We need to do something about this. And whoever that person is takes a stand and says, we need to talk to this fucking guy. And I think best case scenario is somebody talks to Ulfric and is like, dude, I agree with you. I dig what you're doing here. Love your spirit, but you need to chill. We're going to handle this. We want you to help us handle it. We're going to back off from you guys in Skyrim, but this is what we need from you. We're going to hit the Thalmor where it hurts. We're going to do this, this, mm -hmm. and this. I think the Empire needs to conspire with Ulfric yeah. because you're right. He's a leader. He's somebody that has inspired an entire people to stand up and take arms against these guys. And do it effectively. And like, do it effectively. Exactly. They're a threat. They Whether or not the events threat. of the game pan out to Stormcloak or Imperial Victory, the fact remains yeah. that they are if, a threat. If the Imperials win, I don't think the canon lore is going to reflect that the Rebellion petered out. 
You know what I mean? Like, it's definitely a threat, but... For sure. And it's established that the Thalmor are very concerned, yeah. or at However, least they have their eyes on it. The the reason that I, I still don't believe political victory is is possible, though, is, yeah, you get all the way up to the point where you, rev- like, get the dossiers and stuff like that, but if we take the idea that the Thalmor let Ulfric go... The fact that they can plan so far ahead as to knowing that he's going to start this rebellion right. and all this stuff is going to happen, they know. If the Empire tries to gain political advantage or political victory, it's going to be seen and and annihilated from a mile away. Because again, the Thalmor were planting agents in the Empire before the Mead dynasty. They've been there. They know everything. They have all the information they need. Right. But with, so, with that said, with them releasing Ulfric and saying, hey, he's going he's gonna to start this war and it's going to be fucking hilarious. They have a plan. Like, if if they release him and they know that a civil war is happening, they have a plan. And I honestly think that plan is to just stomp on Skyrim the second... I, I hold to, and obviously there's absolutely no basis in fact for this opinion. It's just a total, like, this is what I think. Uh, I don't think the Dominion thinks Ulfric is going to win. And I think that is where the strength of the Stormcloak Rebellion lies. And and here's my take on it. I don't think the Dominion cares whether or not he wins. I think that him doing his thing is enough cause for them to say, treaty violated, you're done. Who cares? Like, I don't think they care whether he wins or loses. I think they just wanted a pawn to stir up a bunch of shit so that they could be like, hey, cool, we're going to step back in here. Here, Honestly, if I had to guess, like, what they're going to do as far as Elder Scrolls Six, like, because... You know, in Elder Scrolls games, they do a really good job of making things making things kind of vague, like canonical things happen, but it's kind of up in the air. Like, you know, if you do all the side quests in Oblivion or whatever in Skyrim, the canon reflects like, oh, yeah, this thing kind of happened and it's yeah. super vague. But um, yeah, honestly, so all I think- of the, all of the all of the guild quest lines are canon. It's just the Dragonborn wasn't involved in it. Yeah, and it, and they but they still make it vague, like oh, a powerful character, blah blah blah. Yeah. Anyway, I, the point that I'm trying to make is, if I had to guess at like what the canonical outcome of the Civil War is going to be, I, I don't think there's going to be a canonical outcome. I think they're going to oh, say they're going to pick some, it up with it still going. I think yeah, well, if not still going, I think the canonical outcome is going to be the Stormcloaks and the Imperials fought themselves to a standstill, and then the Thalmor stepped in, and yeah. like that's the canonical ending. Yeah. the The only other point that I really want to make as to why I, I think that the Stormcloak victory would be a positive thing, and again, before I get get into this, fuck Ulfric. Uh, but Ulfric is a very, very strong leader. He's a very respected leader. He can lead through power. He can lead through example. All of the things that the current emperor does not have. And if there is one thing that is canon at the end of Skyrim, it's that the emperor is assassinated. Right. So even if the empire defeats Ulfric, they don't have an emperor to direct them. And obviously, protocol states that the Elder Council is going to step in. And I have a few theories about the nature of the assassination that I'd, I'd like to touch on. But an empire without a ruler is is not a very strong empire at all. And for as awful as he, I'm saying this through gritted teeth, as awful as a human being that Ulfric is, if he becomes the High King and he takes over the the entirety of the empire to lead it against the Thalmor, I think with a really really strong leader and all of the resources that the empire currently has, they could win. They could, and then Dark Elves, Argonians, High Elves, all these races get subjugated. I know, I know, I know. I agree. I know you but, agree. I'm um, just giving you shit. I think that when it comes to fully defeating, defeating the Thalmor, um, 
the whole and this might be horrible to say the whole empathetic like well if it turns into all-out war you know civilian casualties and scorched earth and blah 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 uh that's what it's going to take even if we go the political route uh and then shit hits the fan and then war breaks out again uh the earth has to be scorched to defeat the Thalmor. they are that big of a threat i just i just think i just think there's a cleaner way to do it and i think that you can do even, this through subterfuge see, and... the, the thing is the subterfuge approach is never going to win it might work a little bit to begin with but the Thalmor will catch on and they will turn there is no way that they are going to get that far before the Thalmor are like, oh, I guess we've been fully defeated. Like, they know everything. They right. know what the Empire is going to do before the Empire does it. So and I think politically they can gain a lot of ground, but it's never going to get them to the finish line. The Thalmor are going to catch on, and then all-out war is going to happen, and then Scorched Earth. But that's, so that's exactly my point, though, is that they, they do know everything. So I think the only way to defeat them is a... F- freaking Frodo and the Fellowship of the Rings move where like yeah Sauron's eye sees absolutely everything that's happening but you sneak around one little guy you can take him down and I think that I I don't know if I was in charge of the the armies that were striking against the Thalmor like I said I would plant agents in every single embassy and hit every embassy at the same time try to throw the Thalmor into this confusion from that confusion, that's when you strike and everybody takes up arms. And that's why I think it'd be dope as hell to have Ulfric on that side. Like, I'm really rooting for some old dude in the Elder Council to be like, man, this sucks. Like, I want to do something about this. Let me give let yeah. me give my boy Ulfric a ring and then talk Ulfric down from his batshit craziness and just be like, dude, you're right. We We sympathize with you. You are right to be this upset, but... We can do this a smarter way. I I just don't see that as a possibility. I like that idea a lot, too, but I don't see it as a possibility because it's definitely established in Elder Scrolls through the Civil War quest line that the Empire as a whole fully denounces Ulfric and fully abhors him. So if there is someone sympathetic on the Elder Council, if they were to reach out to Ulfric, it would be outside the wire for sure. I mean... I, I disagree with that. I think, honestly, the whole point of having Rika as a character is to show you, the player, that there are sympathizers in the Empire. Sympathizers in the Empire, yes, but the entirety of it, no. And uh, one, like, the reason that Rika has such a, you know, because Ulfric, uh, Galmar, and Rika served together in the war. They were in the same unit, so to speak. I don't know what the structure of the Empire is. So that's that's why they're all so close. But yeah, of course, there are sympathizers to the Stormcloak cause and the Empire. There are sympathizers to the Empire's cause and Stormcloaks as right, is right, right. With, with all of these scenarios. But, you know, I feel like the, the Empire as a whole, and I think that's why Tullius exists. He is the vehicle from which the Empire's viewpoint is dispensed. And the Empire as a whole just is annoyed with Ulfric. They hate Ulfric. They want him dead. They're happy to see him go. They don't care. Right. Status quo returned. Ulfric is just a bug that they have to squash. And I think that is the overall view of the Empire. I don't think they give a flying fuck about Ulfric. They just want him to stop. So yeah. I don't think they're going to reach out to him and try and find peace. Because I think picking up at the Civil War at the point that we do in the quest line of Skyrim, I think it's very well established that we are beyond that point. Ulfric is so hell-bent on killing Tullius. And Tullius is so hell-bent on killing Ulfric, it can only end one way. For sure. And I... I- like I said earlier, I think at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because all the Thalmor want is that chaos. Yeah, I, I, th- I, that's the thing about the Imperial versus Stormcloak debate is everyone loses no matter what. Yeah. There is no winning side to this. Uh, yeah, no, no matter what, the Thalmor 
the the Thalmor win. Yeah, at the, the Thalmor win. If the Empire wins the Civil War, Thalmor win. If Stormcloaks win the Civil War, the Thalmor win. Like, yeah. no matter I what. Just, I, I just take the route of the Stormcloaks because I I think that if Ulfric wins, he is in a, a good position for as much of a shitbag as he is. Again, I cannot say that enough. I think as a leader, he is in a good position to to rally. I think Ulfric has the best chance out of everyone or anyone to maybe try and convince Hammerfell to help. Ulfric as a icon definitely inspires the common people to stand up for themselves. So I think the Stormcloak Rebellion winning would cause kind of microcosms all around Tamriel of, you know, people rebelling for their own yeah. sake and like Ulfric would start a movement, and even if the Stormcloaks can't do it, I think the movement could. Yeah, and I think the people in provinces across the world would be like, yo, that Ulfric guy's a real piece of shit, but hey, he's got a chance at stopping these guys, let's join up. Yeah. Um, I, just, I, I just disagree with the political approach, because even if you get far, like it, it really is hinted that, or not hinted, it's kind of really expressly shown that the Thalmor omniscient to everything the Empire is up to. Right, and that's, so that I, is inherently, it's really interesting. That's the issue. That's inherently why I disagree with Stormcloak victory, because like I said, it's the Thalmor have set that up. Yeah. That is a machination just, of the Thalmor. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just think that sometimes the simplest approach is the best approach, and meaty whack is pretty simple. Like, yeah, if the all-out war is definitely what they want, but like you know, who's to say anything could or couldn't work? Like that's that's the whole for thing, sure. You know, yeah, and that, so think like, that's what's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, like the 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 political victory could go all the way up to the top, and then it could just work flawlessly. Or yeah, Ulfric could just start this crazy movement and militarily just wipe out the Thalmor. Like there's infinite ways it can go, but I, you know, I just we have our beliefs. Yeah, I just, I don't know, like, as far as Ulfric doing that, at, like, I know, and I think you know, and I think everybody knows that he's not stopping at the Thalmor. He's going to wipe out the Dark Elves. He's going to wipe out everything that isn't true Nord. Like, I don't think he stands for anything I don't other necessarily, than Nords. I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't think he's going to wipe them out. Probably, like, try and conquer all of the countries and bring it under one empire and definitely be more oppressive Absolutely, right. but I don't think I don't think necessarily wipe out. I mean, if if anyone if, that's were, the if case, anyone was gonna do it, it would be Ulfric. If that's the case, you're just trading one oppressive government for another. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. But at least like this, it's going from least, the Nords at, being oppressed. At least to, this one oppressive government isn't trying to undo reality as we true. know it. That's true. And make themselves gods. You know, it's very true. Um, and you know, like, again, there's no victors because with how weak and corrupt the empire is, them winning only puts them in more of a position to fail. If with how corrupt and awful of a human Ulfric is him winning would only put the world under his fist. It, it just sucks. Um, but there's, there's a few quick little theories I want to rattle off real quick about the whole future of the empire mm -hmm. um the first of which is that uh someone in the um, someone on the elder council is the one that arranged the assassination because they are vying for the throne themselves um this is evidenced by um oh man i'm forgetting his name holy crap uh, amand motier uh the motier family has ties to the dark brotherhood and they're also a very powerful family in cyrodiil uh you run into uh Am one of amand's uh hinted alleged most likely than not, uh, ancestor uh, in the f in oblivion, 
where you have to help him fake his death or something like that. And he's like, Oh, we're super influential. Thank you. Here's a crap load of money. <laughs> um, so there's a, there's a theory that maybe like a, a elder Motier or just someone on the council is using Amon Motier's family and their ties to the empire. Um, and they're vying for power. There's another theory that uh, the hit was actually put in place by a agent of the Thalmor and that when the Empire is so destabilized they don't know what to do, the Thalmor themselves will plant themselves on the throne and be like, we'll govern you for you. Some real Palpatine shit. Uh, and then the third craziest, wildest, and absolutely insane theory that I choose to believe because it's so cool um, and I want to know what your opinion is on this, um, if you have any at all. I will. Um, one of the Septims, I believe his first name is Uriel. Don't quote me on that. It's like Uriel Septim the Fifth or some craziness like that. Uh, got a stick up his butt and was like, you know what? We're going to invade Akavir. Akavir has been, uh, you know, they haven't done anything to us since uh, the first era when they invaded our country. I think it's time we invade their country and see what, uh, see what all the craze is about. Let's go to Akavir. So he, uh, he left one of his descendants in charge or something like that, and then he led a full-scale invasion to Akavir and was never heard from again. So there is a theory uh, that the person that is putting the hit out on uh, the Emperor is a descendant, because it's been a couple hundred years or maybe even more, uh, is a descendant of this septum that has found his way back to Tamriel and wants the throne for himself, um, but he can't really do it unless... Titus Mead II is gone. And the reason that I like this theory so much is because of the implication that the throne of the Empire is only ever made for a septum. If a descendant of a septum comes back and vies for the throne, that would, uh, I fully believe that would, just by right of blood, set the Empire back on the right track to just wipe the Thalmor. Yeah, I, I'll say this. There's something really slimy about Amon Motier. Yeah. And like maybe that's just maybe that's just a character trait that comes with doing his He's job. He's very slimy. There but there's something slimy about him. There's something that the game makes you just like, uh yeah, there's something wrong with this guy. Like something's up here, right? And uh he's got an amulet of the Elder Council yeah. on him. And um I like I don't know. There's just a lot of weirdness about him. I don't I don't necessarily know if he's a force for good. Yeah, well, I think because the Elder Council thing, like, it's like, is Amond on the Elder Council and it's his amulet? Did someone on the Elder Council that's sponsoring this give right. them their amulet? I think something that could be true is either, uh, like, Uriel Septim the Fifth had an amulet that he passed down to next of kin. Oh, or yeah. Or maybe when this direct descendant of the Septim bloodline came back to Tamriel and reached out to the Elder Council, maybe they were like, yes, yes, we want you on the throne. Yes, we'll, here, here's our amulet, take whatever you need, blah, blah, blah. Like, maybe it could be one of those things, but... I, uh, that's one of the biggest mysteries going into Elder Scrolls Six is who put out the hit. Right. Who done did it? Yeah. And it's, it's very intentional that they don't say who did it. That it's just, you know, Amon Motier just kind of refers to his benefactor very vaguely. Right. Yeah, no, and that's going to be really interesting to see what angle they take on that for sure. Like, it's, I mean, we, we've kind of mentioned it a couple times, but, like, that's what is so fascinating about all of this is, A, there's no right answer. Like, yeah, the Stormcloaks are wrong and the Empire is wrong. Yeah, everybody's wrong. When it comes to games like this, there is no right answer until the game comes out and Bethesda says this is the right answer, you know? And I think that no matter what the right answer is, the answer that we're going to get is the answer that causes the most chaos. It's the answer that creates the most compelling game. 
Mm-hmm. So that that's I do firmly believe that if there is a canon victor, that it's going to be the Stormcloaks. I do yeah. firmly believe that because I think that that's going to cause the most compelling storytelling. Well, we also have to take into consideration to what side winning makes the most sense for the potential setting of the next game. Yeah. If the Empire wins, it makes a lot of sense that the game would be in High Rock slash Hammerfell. If the Stormcloaks win, not really. But I'm sure they could find a way to make that. Yeah, make I mean, it might be like, uh, you know, it, it if the Stormcloaks win, it might take place in Hammer Rock. Hammer, Hammer Rock. Hammer, I mean, yeah. Hammer, I, I mean, rock and roll, dude. I uh, think it's it's very heavily implied that it's going to be both. Yeah, most, I mean, I think most of High Rock and parts of Hammerfell is, would be my best guess. But it, yeah, it, it would make sense for maybe it starts with, hey, like the, the Stormcloaks won. We're going to start reaching out to other provinces to see if they can help. And then maybe it's you showing up to Hammerfell. As a representative of the Nords or whatever the case is, and you, your goal is to like, hey, go talk to Hammerfell Balgriff. I think that's uh, I think that's too much of a hard backstory. Well, for the, the character, game ha- the game right. has to start with you literally just being like, oh, hey, you just Some woke asshole. up. Therefore, you are only just now able to be perceived. Hello. Like, you know what I mean? Right. But I, you're just going to be a dude. Yeah, I don't think you're for sure. Be but it'd be really cool horns. if you're like a messenger from Skyrim it and be, yes. your goal is to go talk to, you know, go get their aid. And the whole game is just going to be Hammerfell being like, nah, we don't want any part of this. Like, you suck. This sucks. We don't See, want a part of this. And then in the middle of the game. That's when the Thalmor are like, hey, they violated the treaty. Boom. Open war. Yeah. See, that's that's where we disagree, though, because I know that your heart wants it. But my heart wants High Rock way more than Hammerfell. It's going to be Hammerfell and High Rock. I think it well, it's it's for sure going to be High Rock because that trailer where like, you know, it just pans through the mountains and stuff. That is a lot of people did research and that is a coastline of High Rock. Yeah, it's it's going to be both of them. Like, I, I would like it. They have to one up Skyrim. So it definitely has to be both of them. But. Yeah, um, and with with Bethesda stating that, like, yeah, there's going to be these crazy open war fights and battles and stuff, I think the idea of, like, knights and banners and chivalry and and all of those themes of High Rock blend way better in my mind than, like, you know, it happening in Hammerfell, so. um, Yeah, I don't know. Ten years ago, I I was like, you know what would be really cool? A... Wearing a cloak and a turban and having it billowing in the wind over a vast empty desert in an Elder Scrolls game, and I'm I'm still holding out for that. I, I don't know. I want you know big suit of armor and flowing cape on a mountain overlooking, you know, medieval fiefs and stuff. Yeah, no. It, either way, I'm either way, be I'll happy be happy. With the setting. Yeah. yeah, either it way, doesn't I'll be matter. happy. I just you know, I guess this is a really good segue into like what we want from the next Elder Scrolls because the I think the Stormcloak vs Imperial debate directly leads into it uh, for sure. at least for me because the the biggest thing that i want is for it to be addressed in the game i don't want to boot up elder scrolls 6 and the first thing that i hear is some old dude be like man did you hear about the stormcloak rebellion three thousand years ago exactly. that's crazy like i want it to be a direct i don't want skyrim 2 but i want a direct sequel yeah. i want it to be like the year after and be like oh man this 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 stuff happened yeah I, I, and i think bethesda knows that they i think to. they know that they struck gold with skyrim and too many people are way too invested in that particular story i don't think anything more than like 20 years is going to have elapsed like i don't yeah. know maybe 20 to 50 i would be i would be, be upset er- with 20 yeah 
I, I don't think it'd be any more than 20, honestly, because like I said, I, I think that they know they struck gold with that and they have mm. to produce some kind of resolution. Yeah. Well, and I think above all else, like Todd Howard knows he knows. Oh, yeah. I mean, I he designed this whole thing. Didn't he like write the story or something? Like, uh, No, there was. So there's a there's a writer. I don't remember his name. Um, but he wrote a lot of the lore for, I think, up to Morrowind, maybe Oblivion. Uh, and he left the company, so everything that he has done since then isn't canon. But he's released a lot of, like, this is what we were talking about, and this is what was going to happen. Wait, and this is, I don't remember. The, the writer guy? This the, writer guy. Okay. So he he wrote a lot of it. I'm sure Todd Howard had a hand in it because The Elder Scrolls is his baby, but... Uh, this so wait, this one dude whose name I don't recall, he did a lot of the the lore writing. I guess that's what I'm lost on. Like what? Because people always say like Elder Scrolls is Todd Howard's baby, but yeah. like, like what has he? He conceptual. From what I understand, he like conceptualized it and he directed it back when it was Arena, when there wasn't any lore, when it was literally just like, oh, Elder Scrolls Arena, like run around and hit things. It's micro. It's it's you know Windows XP, like cool. You know the fact that they got a game running on it is a modern marvel in and of itself. So I I believe again, don't quote me on any of this. I believe that Todd Howard was really the big conceptualizer of the game and of and of some of the general lore gotcha. but when it started getting more in depth they and, and they hired writers there was this one dude whose name I don't remember who was really influential um I'm sure Todd Howard did a lot of the writing for Skyrim and probably is going to be doing a lot of writing for 6 but you know as the game designer I'm sure his focus is much more on the overall vision as opposed to the specifics yeah um and I I trust that they cuz Bethesda's had some pretty public failures recently. They've had, you know, Fallout 4, which was received with mixed reviews. Um, they had Fallout 76, which was almost entirely negative. Um, and between those two games, they've lost a lot of goodwill from from fans. So I think uh, with Starfield coming out and with Elder Scrolls 6 on the horizon, they know that they are in uh, pretty shallow water right now. So. Yeah, I think either way, though, they're not losing any money. I mean, even if Elder Scrolls 6 and Starfield are buttholes of video games, they're still going to make if their money. If Elder Scrolls 6 fails, Bethesda is never making a game again. I firmly believe that. No, because everyone's, that. everyone's going to buy it, and then they're going to be like, wow, this sucks. And with how much, how little faith everyone has in Bethesda already, that would be the straw that breaks the camel's back. And then no one would buy anything that they do. They would probably just be, like, Bethesda would probably just be absorbed into ZeniMax, which is the parent company, and they would just do whatever ZeniMax wants them to do as opposed to that. Yeah, or, I, think, I think no matter or, what, Todd Howard's getting his paycheck. So. Yeah, I, I think if worst case scenario or like if Elder Scrolls 6 fully bombs and Bethesda's done, what's probably going to happen is Microsoft is just going to absorb the game devs into their studios and then Todd Howard will get some executive gig and you uh, whatever. Can I, can I tell you something really funny? Huh? I have absolutely no idea. What Todd Howard looks like, what Todd Howard sounds like. Really? I know nothing of him. Even after so, like all the memes and every stuff? Every single time that you say Todd Howard's name, I imagine Jeff Bezos. Todd Howard is Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Todd, Todd Howard is Jeff Bezos. Hold on, I'll show you a picture of him live on the podcast. And you okay, can... all right. So we'll can, get can me reacting to Todd this. Howard? It's, it's literally, it, it could be either Steve Jobs or Jeff Bezos in my brain, but it's, it's definitely Jeff Bezos. This is Todd Hang Howard. Hang on, I don't want to see oh. it yet. I want to finish by saying... Okay. The man in my head is bald, 
And if this man is not bald, he's not bald. Th- th- then it's wrong. That's not Todd Howard. You <laughs> this, can't is, be- this is Todd Howard. What? You've definitely no, seen dude. him before. Yeah. No, give me yeah. your, give me your phone. Hang Howard. on, I'm gonna lean over. Yeah, you can scroll. I'm on Google. That's dude, not Howard, dude. What? He's a very soft-spoken, very articulate man. There is no way. <laughs> what the fuck is this? I'm so surprised at your genuine he Todd Howard reaction. He looks like the manager for a boy band. <laughs> like, he looks like he's in charge of the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> dude, like, he looks fuck. like the guy that gets mad at them because they said something slightly offensive in an interview, and he's like, guys, you gotta stop. Like, Listen, can we not offend Todd Howard? Like, if we ever get to the point where we can have him as a guest, he's gonna no, be like, so on. episode three. Look, look at this. He just walked into the room, okay? The boy band, they're all sitting on the couch kind of fucking off on their phones. He just walked into the room, and he, and he says, guys, and this is what he looks like when he says that. Okay, fuck you. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's just, uh, that's it's, the vibe I get. It's the, it's the picture from the most recent E3, by the way, for those who are curious. Listen, <laughs> I... Todd Howard, I love you. I, dude, I love you too, man. Like, come on. Elder Scrolls is some of the greatest content I've ever consumed in my life. But, uh, yeah, I don't know why it was, he was Jeff Bezos in my mind. Yeah, no, he's a... Yeah, he's a... I don't know what I was trying to say there. He's a... Yeah, he's very soft-spoken, very, very well-articulate. He did an interview recently where, like, the interviewer is actually able to get him to talk about Elder Scrolls uh, a little bit. Because every time he goes into an interview... I knew that about him. Like, every time it's like, Elder Scrolls 6, Elder Scrolls 6. But this interviewer is actually, like, just talking to him about, like, life and game design and stuff. And Elder Scrolls did come up, and he was actually a little bit more willing to talk about it. And uh, that's one of my... It's it's incredible interview. I don't remember who it was done by, but I'm sure if you look up, like, recent Todd Howard interviews, you, you can find it. But, yeah, it was incredible. He's a very, very, like attention to detail kind of guy and Mm. honestly considering we got 10 years plus out of skyrim i believe todd howard when he says that we'll get another 10 years out of elder school six oh for sure yeah no i and i'm looking forward to those 10 years um um do you we're we're kind of reaching the end of the chain a little bit here do you have stats that you want to go over real quick or we are we is that our topic yes i do so i do have some statistics that i prepared um So the percentage of people who are correct about their opinion in the uh, Civil War. This uh, fucking guy. uh, 100% SJ, 0% Matt. Shut up. Oh, you don't have stats. No, I don't have stats. I couldn't. So the the achievements in Skyrim are for just completing the Imperial Civil War questline, and they're tied to, or not the Imperial. Oh, yeah, it's like complete the Civil War. They're tied together. So it's like... It's like join a side of the Civil War, and yeah. it's, if you go Imperial or Stormcloak, it gives you that. And then um, the uh, the capture the forts, they just align side by side with progression in each quest line. So gotcha. if it's you capture this fort at the beginning in Imperials, it's this whatever the first fort in Sky or in the uh, Stormcloaks is. So the achievements are all linked together, so there's no way to differentiate. Um, I did do some googling. And I looked around at some different posts on like Reddit and forums and stuff about people asking Skyrim versus Imperial. And honestly, Lord. just from what I saw, again, this is I'm sure I'm I'm willing to bet Imperial is the more popular. No, pick. really. So, so so this isn't factual by any means. This is just me like taking a gander and making a guess. It seems pretty evenly distributed. Like it seems like there's a lot of contention. Like there's a lot of people that are Stormcloak. There's a lot of people that are Imperial, and uh, I did this research, and this is the first time I'd ever seen anybody echo any of my own opinions. Yeah. Because um, most of the people that I've interacted with are super pro Stormcloak, and I'm like one of the few pro Imperials, but 
a lot of the people that I that I was reading their opinions, they kind of echo mine about like the real threat being the Thalmor and like yeah, of course. I think um, I think that's really interesting. Doesn't get lost. Yeah, yeah but I, it's it's pretty fifty fifty, dude. Yeah, just from what I saw online, yeah. And I I will say one of my favorite characters I've ever made in Skyrim is an Imperial. Yeah, I I think I think obviously there's compelling storytelling on both sides, but mm. ultimately I I just feel like a Stormcloak victory is better if. From the perspective of like, how do we make a cool ass game? Yeah, because that I believe is going to cause more direct conflict. Whereas, yeah, you know, if, we're doing Imperium, like, if we're doing like big open war, exactly, yeah. exactly. And we've heard some rumors about that for Elder Scrolls Six as yeah. far as just like you know, big open war is going to happen. Um, because that I, I I remember somebody saying something about like that was promised in uh, Skyrim, and they were like disappointed on the delivery mm. of it. But anyway. That is uh that's today's episode, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for coming along with us on this crazy ride. Like like we said, you know, we we vehemently disagree on this, but we definitely see each other's sides. Yeah, there was nobody there was no backing down from either of us. Like I, I know in the last episode for the Mage Circles, Matt was like, Yeah, honestly, you convinced me, but Matt and I are still very much on our sides in this debate. Yeah. Um I, I, I don't think I'll ever be swayed. Honestly, I, I don't even know what it is. It's not even like I'm not even just trying to be difficult. I just I believe yeah. in it so wholeheartedly. Yeah. And I, that's one of the reasons that this game has stayed compelling for over 10 years now, you know, is that that aspect of its storytelling. So yeah. we'll see what's to come in Elder Scrolls six in about 15 years. Yeah. And we'll cover it uh, from our graves. Yeah. But so we'll see you there, guys. Uh, <laughs> Discord's popping. Discord's popping. Yeah. So, like I mentioned earlier, we uh, our community has grown a little bit. So, thank you, everyone. Um, we are looking to the future. We're putting together some community events. I have a bunch of ideas. Uh, Matt has a bunch of ideas. We're gonna talk those over and probably start putting together an event um, some point here in yeah. the next month or so. And we we will talk to you. Like, I know that there's a lot of creators with discords and you join and then you're really only interacting with the community. But for as much as we can, we will talk to you. Yeah. I mean, I, I've said it before. I'll say it a thousand times. The whole reason we started this because we love talking about this. So please talk yeah. about it with us because there there's only so much of Matt's opinion that I can take before I want to gouge my eyes out with a spoon. And there's only so much of SJ's opinion that I can take before I want to scoop my nuts out with a fork. Yeah. And he already has to listen to my voice over and over again while he yeah, does I'm the, the one edit. That edits, I'm the one that edits this. So jokes on me. Yeah. So like, come on guys, talk yeah. to the guy, talk to Matt, please. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> take um, pity on him. Please. Send him a voice file of your voice talking about these things Ugh. so that it's not just mine. Uh, yeah, but, you know, please join the Discord. Please interact with us. Check us out on Instagram at 10 Points of Slashing. Uh, everything everywhere is 10 Points of Slashing. So if you're hearing this on Spotify, we have a YouTube. If you're hearing this on YouTube, we have a Spotify. Um, just check us out. Join the community. Interact with us. Um, thank you so much for listening to this. And let us know, are you a Stormcloak or are you wrong? And, and not quite those words, but yes. Please let us know your <laughs> viewpoints. Um, one more note real quick before we close out. We're putting together shirt designs. Um, I want to make some t-shirts. I would love to get them to you guys. Our logo is super fucking cool. Um, so I personally would love to have it on a shirt. I want to wear that around. Um, let us know. We have a couple different designs. Are shirts something that you guys would be interested in? Would you be interested in buying them? Uh, obviously, it's a financial commitment on our end in order to produce the shirts. So we just need to know that people would be interested before we do that. But we have some really cool designs. So, yeah, let us know on Discord or shoot us a message on Instagram or leave a comment on YouTube. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to us. We're 10 Points of Slashing. I'm SJ. I'm...
Gilgird. Sorry, Gilgird? Gilgird. Thank you for listening to our... Milgerg. I'll take it. <laughs>